0: Welcome to the long-awaited Shavuos show, here at The Database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. This is a Shavuos special, and I say it's long-awaited because this Shavuos shear was supposed to be recorded a year ago at the moment of this recording. And for one reason or another, we didn't put it out, so now, Bar Hashem, we have the time to do it now. And we're going to discuss the fundamental issues revolving around the holiday that we know as Chag HaShavuos. Or, perhaps I should say, the holiday that we know As Zman Matan Tarasenu. And indeed, Shavuos is known by many nicknames, most of which can be found in the Torah. However, the most famous association that we make with Shavuos cannot actually be found in the Torah. It's only found in our liturgy. A couple of names of the holiday can be found in Chazals, and I mentioned most of the names can be found in the Torah. There are perhaps four or five names given to this holiday. And the question that we're going to tend to is, where exactly is the theme of Matan Torah, or the giving, or the gifting, or the presenting of the Torah, as we refer to it in our davening, in our liturgy, and in our Kiddush, Zman Matan Torah Seinu, the season of the giving of the Torah, where is that? Why don't we see it in the actual Torah? And if it's not what Shavuos is really about, then what is Shavuos about? So, presumably, if we have a tradition that Shavuos is about Mata and and if we discuss this from the standpoint of our davening from Chazal, then, presumably, that has to be a fundamental theme of the holiday. Then the question is, why doesn't it appear in the text any of the primary sources in Chumash um, in describing Shavuos? You won't find it anywhere, maybe by allusion, but really you won't find it explicitly in the text at all. So the question is, why in fact is Matan Torah not found explicitly in the Torah when the Torah describes Shavuos? And if once again Shavuos is primarily about something else, so then how does Matan Torah relate to that theme? So we'll hopefully address that. We'll first thank our sponsors we have anonymously If you enjoy Shirem like this and others on the podcast and you want to partner up with us then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com that's the base, b-e-i-s at gmail.com to make a sponsorship or if you have questions, comments, concerns or want to make recommendations for sheer topics then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com Okay, so now let's uh, talk a little bit about what Shavuos explicitly is, and then we'll think about the other issue as to how we connect all of this to Zman Matan Torah Senu. Right, so again, we have a Masorah from Chazal that Shavuos is the time of the giving of the Torah. We find this in the Gemara in Shabbos, which discusses it at length in uh, in the 80s, if you're following it by the Daphim, so from uh, somewhere from Pei, Vav, and on, you you have all the Gemaras that talk about Kabbalah Satora, and Shavuos is referenced there, and in other Gemaras, for example, Gemaras which discuss um, the fact that we have to have a festive celebration on Shavuos because the Torah was given on Shavuos, therefore everyone will admit that there has to be some level of physical celebration for us to be excited about having gotten the Torah. And this has made its way into our liturgy, as we mentioned earlier. But when you look in the Chumash, at all the places where Shavuos can be found, you will never explicitly find reference to the actual giving of the Torah. Um, the Shavuos is mentioned in Parshas Mishpatim, which maybe has some proximity to the giving of the Torah, but the Torah there doesn't discuss the giving of the Torah when describing Shavuos. We find it in Parshas Kisisa, we find it in Parshas Emor, Parshas Pinchas, Parshas Re'eh. All of those places, you'll find different nicknames for the holiday. So, for example, Chag HaShavuos, the, the, literally the festival of weeks, which, interestingly enough, seems to imply that really Shavuos is a holiday that celebrates the culmination of the weeks. It's not just one day on the calendar, but apparently it's 49 days on the calendar or 50 days on the calendar. Um, But that's just one thing to think about, that it's the festival that celebrates those weeks. We have Yom Habikurim or Chag Habikurim. It's the holiday of the first fruits or the first produce. This is in reference to the carbon um, that's brought on Shavuos, namely from wheat. So it's not really first fruits fruit per se, but it's, uh, it's the first wheat crop. It's also known as Chag HaKatzir, or um, um, I don't know if it's called Yom Katsir, but definitely Chag HaKatzir. Um This is also found in the Torah. That is the holiday of the harvest. So, so far, these, these three are all names that you find in the Torah. Um, there's a general term for a, a holiday known as Atzeres, um, now, atzeres is used particularly by chazal. Whenever you see chazal using the word atzeres, unless you see the word shmini before, it's not a reference to shemini atzeres, but it's a reference to shavuos. And atzeres means to hold back. And since there are no other uh, mitzvahs of the day on shavuos that we observe today, um, and, and, uh, besides for the karbanos, as opposed to sokkahs, for example, and Pesach, for example, where you have matzah, you have sukkah, you have lulav and esrog, and, uh, and other holidays where you have a chavzah shal mitzvah. On Shavuos, aside from the Karbonos, there's no chavzah shal mitzvah. All we really have is the Atzaras, which is us holding back and not doing malacha, just staying with Hashem. So um, Atzaras is the name that's used by Chazal. And then, of course, we have Zmanmatan Matan Tarasenu, which seems to be only tangentially connected to all of these things. Uh, because if you, even if you want to go back to the, the Chag HaShavuos theme, the festival of the weeks, so there the weeks are counting from the offering of the Karban Omer from Pesach, and there seems to be this agricultural progression that focuses on the, the barley offering from the, from the Karban Omer, and then the wheat offering at the end, the Shete that's offered on Shavuos, and the only apparent connection to the weeks is that, now, we know from our Masorah that these weeks are counting from our, uh, um, from Yitzhias Mitzrayim all the way up to Kabbalah Satorah at Har Sinai, But again, this is only, by way of illusion, this is only found in Chazal. So the question is, why isn't that something that's more explicit? And there are many Mepharshim, um, and many, uh, Sfarim that talk about the idea, um, I think it's, uh, most famously brought down from the Kleokar, um, that really every day is Kabbalah Satorah. Really every day should be Kabbalah Satorah. And, we uh, we don't want to narrow our days of being commitment of being committed and recommitting ourselves to Torah just to Shavuos, and so the Chumash didn't want to put a calendar date on it. Um, that's one of the famous answers, and there are a lot of important lessons to learn from that. Al um, peipshai, you might have expected to really find something more explicit about it. So really, the the, the you know the the, the answer um, doesn't appear to be as strong as the question. So we really have to do some work to try to figure out where Matantora is or why it's not here. And whatever again the theme actually is, apparently, so the question is how is Matantora relevant to that? And really what is the meaning of the, of the of the holiday which seems to more explicitly be agricultural, the Yom HaBikurim, the Chag HaKatzir, what is the secret of of the unique carbon that we do Offer on the day, or that we hope to offer on the day of Shavuos, once again the mincha chadasha, as the Torah refers to it, the uh, the new meal offering, also known as the shtei alechem, the two loaves of bread. Right. So, because again, Shavuos is apparently a religious agricultural festival celebrating the culmination of the weeks from Pesach, and if you look at the chumash, all you'll really find highlighted is the progression, the apparent progression from. Matzah, that we eat on Pesach. Then we have the Mincha HaOmer, the barley crops, the first of the barley crops. And then, finally, we get to the Mincha Chadasha, the Shete HaLechem, that we offer on Shavuos. And if you look closely, you will notice, the, the, like the, the only thing that really jumps out at you, if you're really following the Parsha, let's say, for example, Parshas Emor from the beginning to its logical conclusion, following from Pesach to Shavuos, the only thing that jumps out of you is as follows. I'll, I'll read it to you. Right after Pesach, in Parshat the Torah tells us um, as follows, You're going to enter the land that I'm going to give you. You're going to reap the harvest. You're going to bring the Omer. That's the, the first of the harvest, the, particularly the, the barley harvest. So, Rishis Ketzirchem Ela Kohen, Lefnei Chemi Fine, and I'm just going to skip a little bit, but uh, at that point, the Torah tells us um, in Pasuk Yodalad over there in Parak Chav Gimel, it says, Velechem Vekali Vecharme which means you shall not eat bread or roasted kernels or plump kernels until this very day, using the translation of Art Scroll, until you bring the offering of your God. It is eternal, as a decree for your generations and all of your dwelling places. Then we get to what I mentioned the sphere, um, what I referenced, the sphere of the Omer, should be seven complete weeks. Again, counting from um, and climbing up from Pesach. Until the Shabbos of the seventh week, you count 50 days. You're going to bring a, a, a new mincha. And then here's where we get to perhaps the most important pasuk. From your. Uh, from your dwellings, You should bring a, a bread. You should bring bread of waving. Shtaim, two of them. gives their measurements. te you shall bake it as as leaven. Bikurim laHashem, the first uh, produce to Hashem, and then the chometz just continues to describe the ramifications of this carbon, and it goes so on and so forth, and says You should call this day holy and so on and so forth. And then at the very end, in Pasach the Torah just comes back and talks a little bit more about agriculture and harvest. So, talks about the Matan Asanim. Fine. So, when we consider the progression, once again, it's all agriculture, but apparently we go from this this, um, this climb from Chometh, of all sorts that you're not allowed to have on Pesach. Then we get to Svirasa Omer, where we start off with a barley offering, but other kinds of breads you can't eat, at least not until you bring that offering. And then you can have no new wheat. Right? This is the Yisr of Chadosh. You can have no new wheat until we get to Shavuos. And once we get to Shavuos, we have the Mincha Chadosh of wheat, and Chometz Te'afeno, you actually bake it as Chometz, and this Chometz goes on to the Mizbeach. Now, for those who, who know the halachos of the mizbeach, which most of us perhaps don't know it so well because we haven't seen a mizbeach in a very long time, and Bezrashem we should be able to see one very soon, but one of the main rules of the mizbeach that we find in Parshas Vayikra, Parshas Tzav, is that chametz is not to be offered on the mizbeach. In fact, there are only two exceptions to this rule. One exception is the carbon Toda, which is mentioned in Parsha Tzav at length. It describes this carbon, which is made from uh, 40 different loaves of, of bread, but 10 of those loaves, I believe, are from Chametz. And then we have this carbon, the Mincha Chadasha, the Shtay it's brought from two loaves of wheat. Right? Every other bread, every other meal offering that's associated with any carbonos is not Chametz, it's not allowed to be. And when we think about the difference between times that we could have chametz, times that we cannot have chametz, this immediately brings our attention back to Pesach, where we have the inaugural Isser, of which we're familiar. um, When it comes to chametz, is that on Pesach we're not allowed to eat any chametz at all. And the big problem is that we are accustomed to the association between, and I don't know if it's a problem. But it's going to be a problem for us in a second. We're associated with the association. Sorry, we're familiar with the association between chametz and the eighth Sahara. Now we might have think we might think of this as a chassidah shavar. We might think of it as something that you only find in the svarim hakadoshim, which would still give it legitimacy. However, if you look really closely in chazal, it's really it's really a Rashi on the Gemara when the Torah tells us. Uh, sorry, when uh, when the Gemara tells us um, in the tefila of Rabbi Alexandri, So he says that Hashem. It's, it's, it's known to you, and this is where Alexander says in the Gemara and Brachas, I believe it's in Daphid Zion. He says, you know that we want to serve you, that's our will. The only thing that's stopping us is the sa'or she'bi'issa and the sheba and ma'achios. The yeast in the, in the dough and the subjugation of other nations, other kingdoms that are trying to hold us back. It says Rashi on the word Saarshab isa, what's the yeast in the dough? This is a reference to none other than the eighth Sahara. And so many connections have been drawn to the eighth Sahara, between the Eight Sahara and chametz. right? We have in Parshas Bo, Rashi quoting the Machilta that um, just like we say with matzos, you have to guard the Matzos, with mitzvos, You gotta As you gotta you know, um, be vigilant of the mitzvos. not to let the mitzvos sour, right? A mitzvah baliadcha al-tach a mitzvah comes to your hand, don't let it become chametz, don't let it leaven, don't let it sour. Um, and, um, and we don't, don't let the etzahar, in other words, tell you not to do it, but get on it, jump on it and do it. We don't have the fluffed up arrogance and the empty promises that you find in bread. Right? Bread is fluffed up, it's arrogant, and and it's not simple like the matzah, it's not spiritual, but it, but it is physical, it is very material, and it's full of air, right? Matzah is, what you see and when it comes to matzah is really what you get. The substance is all within it. It's flat and there's, there's, there's nothing hidden. The matzah is just there. With the bread, it's, it's the empty promises of the Eitzhahara. That's what we're familiar with when it comes to chametz and chametz versus matzah. And if that's true, then we can understand why you shouldn't be allowed to have any chametz on the Mizbayah. We could even perhaps understand why there'd, be ever, there'd ever be a Nisar to have chametz. What we cannot quite understand, if this is all true, is why it's only on Pesach that we don't have chametz. On all other days, we're apparently allowed to have chametz. You can have chametz if you want. And then when it comes to Shavuos, we actually put the chametz on the mizbeach. We're not only allowed to eat chametz, but we apparently celebrate the chametz. We put it up on the pedestal, mamash, on the mizbeach, And apparently this is the other exception that we have is with the karban toda, which I guess is a fair question to ask there as well. Why do we have chametz um, you know, in in, um, in the in the carbon toda, why do we have it on Shavuos, and why apparently is it the theme of Shavuos? We apparently cel- celebrate Shavuos with the chametz, so that really um, also requires a little bit of investigation and requires a little bit of discussion. So why, in fact, is that the case? And again, how does all of this come back to our apparent secret theme, which is to us is not a secret to us. We all know it, but we don't really know how it connects yet. The theme of Matan Torah, Kabbalah Zitar, What is that? You know, where where does that come in? All right. So, how, how do we understand all of this? Another another couple of questions that we should really consider is once again going back to what Shavuos is apparently about. It's uh, it's about the Bakurim, which is apparently this chametz offering. So, just to drive home that point, that what it seems to be that we are celebrating, if we have everything correct from what we said so far. Shavuos is the celebration of the Bikurim, or the harvest, right? The the Katsir, the Katsira, kitzir, the which apparently is is what? What is the what is the harvest? What is the first fruit? It's apparently the wheat offering. It's apparently the chametz, i.e., it is the eighth Hara. So Shavuos apparently is the holiday then that celebrates the Sahara. It's the day that the Sahara goes up on the Mizbeach. Now you might say, okay, great, it means that we're shechting the Sahara, right? Except we're consuming it. And on Pesach, this was considered a bad thing. And on all other Karbanos, this is considered a bad thing. So then how are we celebrating this? How are we celebrating Bikurim? How are we celebrating... um, If the Bikurim in question is the Sahara, so how, how exactly can that be? So, the, the, these are really our questions. So we'll try, Bezrashem, to address all of these questions as we go further. But one thing that I want to keep on the, on the back of your mind is the question of um, and this. This will be relevant because the carbon toda, which is at first glance uh, an additional exception to the chametz rules when it comes to the bayach. We're going to see from some Rishonim that apparently it is not really additional, but it's connected. The carbon Karbantota is going to be very relevant um, to, to the Bikurim that we're talking about. So just keep that in mind. So hopefully um, the, um, you're bothered by these questions as much as I am. And we have to really do a little bit of more searching to try to figure out why exactly Shavuos is what it is. So let's let's go back to talking a little bit about matzah versus chametz, and this is a really a Pesach discussion, but it's certainly relevant here. Once 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 we have the buzzword chametz, you can't really get away from this topic. This is this is a, apparently not just a Pesach question; it's a Shavuos question as well. But what really is the difference between chametz and matzah? We spoke about it a little bit. Rav al Hirsch, um, when he talks about matzah um, in Parshas Bo, so he differentiates between matzah and chametz by referring to matzah as the bread of dependence, right? We know of matzah being lechem oni, it's it's the poor man's bread, it's the bread of affliction, it symbolizes our slavery. And Cesar of Hirsch, that's the case when it comes to Pesach as well. That we, you know, we, we know that we eat this bread to remember that we were slaves. However, Rev Hirsch points at the fact that we also ate the bread on our way out of Egypt, right? This is, we know the, the, the pashabshat reason. Well, matzah al-shummah. Why do we, Matzah Zoo, right? This matzah, why do we eat it? Says the Haggadah. We eat it to, because this is, um uh, the we only had time to have matzah when we left Egypt. Hashem took us out so quickly. So it wasn't just the bread that we ate as poor people and as slaves, but it's bread that we ate on our way to freedom as well, so, so, so we assume. The question is, why on our way into freedom did Hashem not give us the time? Why didn't Hashem just send us out in a way that we could truly enjoy our freedom and not and not have to eat matzah, but we could have gone back into eating chametz? Right? Because apparently what it would seem is if matzah is the bread of slavery, then by all logic and by all reason, chametz should be the bread of free people. However, matzah, we see from many different sources, matzah has a dual identity. Matzah is apparently the bread of slavery, but it is also the bread of freedom. And the question is, how can that be? And then the question is also, what is chametz? Is chametz the bread of slavery, or is chametz the bread of freedom? Is matzah both, and is chametz both? So I think in a certain sense, yes. Rav explains the reason why we had to have matzah on our way out of Egypt was so that we would realize That even, just like we were dependent when we were in Egypt, we were dependent on our Egyptian masters, we leave Egypt with a similar but different level of dependence. We do not go completely independent, but we are dependent on Hashem. Because we go from avadim hayinu leparo to being ovdei Hashem. And this is one of the big Pesach uh, scam questions that some people ask. And that is oh, we just, you know, we're just—you we still slaves. We went from being slaves to par to being slaves to Hashem. We have so many rules, so many mitzvot. Is that really freedom? And what is real freedom? What do we assume? Real freedom, real autonomy. Or the way some academics now refer to it as negative autonomy. I know that, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs talks about this in many books, um, uh, though he wasn't the first person to mention it. But, um, but that said, the idea of um, negative autonomy um, and positive autonomy what's the difference between these two freedoms? The negative autonomy is just chaos where you think you're able to do whatever you want, and when you give that when you have that kind of freedom right you have all the free time, no structure at all, you have every luxury that you could possibly want, and you can do whatever you want and sometimes we think that that's freedom, the ultimate independence. The problem is with that comes boredom with the lack of structure actually. Um, has no they're, they're, with that there's no plan there's no real responsibility there's no real independence there's just being loose there's just, you know, I'm, I'm giving in to your inclination, it's not true freedom and, and, and if you just need an example, look at a child who does not go to summer camp where there is no structure he does not have school, he does not have summer camp he doesn't have anything look what he does, and let's say he has a phone What is he going to spend the whole entire summer doing? If he's not doing drugs, he's going to be on his phone binging YouTube or whatever, and he's going to waste his time, and he's going to be as bored as anything, and he's not going to be happy. He's not going to feel like someone who is free. He's going to feel like someone who is actually a slave. And in a certain sense, you might think that that's what, you know, that's, that's what chametz is, right? Chametz is you have everything, but you really have nothing. Whereas matzah... Feels like you're dependent. It feels like you're restricted. It feels like you have a structure, a framework that you have to be stuck into, a box that you have to be in. Right? Who wants to be in a matzah box? But apparently, yes, that's that's exactly what we want. We we want to have that framework because that framework is going to give us the ultimate ability to be truly independent, to flourish. And this is really true with uh, with uh, think about uh, any 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 sports game, right? Uh, think about a sports game that has rules, i.e., all sports games. Right? If you have a game that doesn't have rules, winning is not significant. Um, you know, if you, if you have a, if you have a coloring page that um, that that tells you the rules, if you have if you know if you know music theory or art theory or sports theory, without the rules in play, without the rules in place, there's just nothing there. It's just a big mess. And maybe someone can have all the natural skills, but you know what? If someone does not have all the natural skills to flourish without those rules in place, winning or succeeding isn't really a success if it's not significant because you don't have the framework to contextualize the victory and to contextualize the success. You're not actually successful if you just throw a bunch of colors onto a page and there's no meaning, there's no structure to it, there's no theory to it. You don't win a sports game unless the sports game has rules that everyone abides by. If you cheat to win the game, you didn't really win. So the, the structure, the framework, gives space and it gives opportunity for that true victory, for that true freedom. And the same is true with the Torah that Hashem has given us. And this, we'll see, is going to be the, the secret to what Shavuos is really about. Because matzah starts to give us context to true freedom. It starts with a dependence. And the way many Svarim bring this, um, the, way they, the, the, way they, the way they contextualize this idea, you find it in Midrashim, it's also brought down by Rav Shem Pinkus that the reason why we could have no Yetzir Hara on Pesach is because Pesach is a time where we were very dependent, very sensitive, like a delicate baby taken out of the womb. Imagine a C-section, taken out prematurely. And because of that, we were so sensitive that we could not be contaminated with any bacteria, with any traces of the eight Sahara. We're just not ready for it. And that's Pesach. We need, in order for our freedom to be manifest, we has to start with matzah. It has to start with our humility, our recognition that we did not do this on our own. We were not independent. And we could not be independent, not at that time. And realizing that is the first step to truly being free and being independent later. So once we went through that process, then we climbed, and we had a progression, and then we move over to Shavuos. By the time we get to Shavuos, apparently we've reached a level. Right? And if you think about the progression of the, of the food, the kinds of chametz, right? you're allowed to have a little bit of chametz, After Pesach, we can't say no to chametz forever. In a similar vein, you can't say no to the Sahara forever, at least not the material world. We need the material world. We can't do Pesach every every, every single day, just uh, no differently than you can't do Yom Kippur every single day. So we start off with matzah, but then we go into barley, which is really mostly associated with animal food, and then only by the time we get to Shavuos, we're able to celebrate. We don't just eat chametz, but we're allo- and we're, no- we're not only allowed to eat the first or more hour after we- or after the first wheat offering is brought, we're allowed to eat wheat also, the regular bread, but we actually celebrate it. We put it onto the mizbeach. This placing of the chametz on the mizbeach is not just a permission to eat, but it's a celebration. What are we celebrating? What we're celebrating is true freedom, the freedom that wasn't complete in Mitzrayim. Because who is a real free person? Ein ben Chorin, el-Ami Who is the true free person, says the Mishnah, the B'risa and Pirkei right? Ein Choros al or Ein Charas al-Choros, I should say. The Luchos, when we received the Luchos, they were engraved, but they weren't just engraved Choros, but they were Choros, the true freedom. You look at the D'ayenu. In, uh, in our Haggadah. And it doesn't end with Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. It only starts there. But then it goes to Kabbalah Satora. And there's a whole question, would, would Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim have been enough if we, and we got to Harasimah, we didn't get the Torah? Apparently, that, um, the, the, the assumption of the question is that that is of the essence. That's what makes our freedom meaningful. In fact, it's what makes our freedom complete. The Kabbalah Satora. And... This may also explain another Gemara, the Gemara and in Kedushan, Lameda Medbez. Barasi Sahara Barasi Torah Tavlin. I created the Sahara, but I created the Torah, that's its spice. How can we put the Sahara on the Mizbeach and celebrate the thing? We can do that if we have the Torah, with Kabbalah Satorah, with Natan Torah, that's the spice to the Eight Sahara. The Eight Sahara harnessed and channeled, conquered to be used in our own way that we can use it to serve Hashem. Once we are truly free, once we've developed through the period of Sphir Sa'omer, we've worked on Tikkun Amidos, we've worked on improving ourselves, now we come into Shavuos with the Torah, and the Torah is what enables us to live with the Eight Sahara. What apparently we see from Shavuos it's not just that Yom Kippur is the ideal, Pesach is the ideal, and we can't do it every day. Apparently, even those, those spiritual ways of living are even not the ideal. The ideal is apparently living in Hashem's material world, the physical world, and doing that with the Yetzir Hara, but serving Hashem, of levavchem, right, with both the Yetzir Hara and the Yetzir Tov. It's for this reason that the, uh, the Medrash says when Hashem created the world, by <laughs> Maod, Hashem saw everything that He had created and it was very good. Says the Medrash Tov, Ze Tov. This is the good inclination. Tov Maod, very good. Ze yitzhahara. The Yitzahara is considered very good. Why is it very good? Because it enables us to have our true freedom if we know and have the control over the Yitzahara and we're not subjugated by it, we're not subservient to it, but it is subservient to us, and really to Hashem, if everything is subservient to Hashem, then we could succeed. We only have that with the Torah. It's interesting that we find another measure. the Bereshus Rabbah. Um, we, we know that when when the world was created, it was created with Bereshus, right, Bereshus, Barah Elokemei, and Rashi brings down, and there are many famous explanations, to what even is racious, Bereshus. Right, b'shvil haTorah shenikras rachis. For the sake of the Torah, which is called rachis, Hashem created the world. There's another Medrash that says b'shvil Yisrael, for the sake of Israel, we are called rachis. And there are the different sources in Tanakh for all the different things that we're labeling as rachis. However, there's a source that says b'schus bikurim niver olam race rachis. Bikurim says the Brachis rabbi, Aleph Dalid one four, because of bikurim. World was created in the in the merit of bikurim, giving our first fruits to Hashem. Isn't it interesting that we find that two of the things that are called righteous are the Torah. For the sake of Torah, Hashem created the world. And we know this from another medrash that what Hashem says by Yom Hashishi and during creation, why does it say Hashishi, the sixth day, that the entire world was created on the condition that on the sixth day of Sivan, that the Bnei Israel would accept the Torah; otherwise, the world would return to Tovavo, would return to completely chaotic emptiness. What is what what is that? So what does that show us? That the Torah is the basis that the world relies on, and also the merit of Bikurim. What is Bikurim? This is the real question. What is Bikurim? Bikurim, is, and what are our Bikurim? Apparently, our Bikurim are the Eight Sahara, the chametz that we offer. Because apparently, the Bikurim, which is the Eight Sahara, is the purpose for which Hashem created the world. So that what? The Eight Sahara gives us the ability to choose, to choose to do the right thing or the wrong thing. We have an equal opportunity. But what also Bikurim is, Bikurim is the secret to defeating the Eight Sahara and using it properly. Because what is Bikurim Bikurim from the Lashon of Bukhur? It is the first one, the first fruit. When you give the first fruit to Hashem, when you prioritize Hashem, that's what justifies the rest of your material crop. That's what justifies the rest of your material life. Think about, for example, you have time. Hashem gave you the gift of time. So what, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? If the first thing you do when you wake up is Moda ani, you thank Hashem for giving you your life back. If the first activity you do every day is you and if after you the first activity that you do before anything else is you learn Torah, you've just kashered the entire rest of your day, the entire rest of the time that you'll spend that day, because you've given the first to Hashem. The Sahara will, will, will try to make you put anything first, just not Hashem. But once you've put Hashem first, then and, and you've created your schedule which says here's where I'm making my time for Hashem, then whatever else you're going to do, as long as it's kosher, as long as it's mutter, even if it's coming from the material world, but that has Hashem's stamp. That has the stamp of Bikurim. It was, it was matired. Right? The chametz is now ma, is mutter because of the Sheteh that you offered. Now you could eat chametz. Now you could engage in the world. Now you can live with the eight Sahara because you've prioritized Hashem. That's what Bikurim is all about. That's what the Sahara is really all about. And that's what Shavuos is about. To connect back to the Karban Toda. So very, very fascinatingly, we find Suri Shonen that talk about why we offer chametz on Shavuos, on the Mizbeach. So the Svarno, the Svarno says that really, at least I'll peep shot, he says, the reason for the karban toda is that we're thanking Hashem for an agricultural reason, just like we offer a karban toda that Hashem um, saved our lives. If you look in Parsha Tzav, if you look at the midrashim there that are quoted, the Gemara and Brachus, that we offer the karban Toda because Hashem saved us from various calamities. So one of the a, a potential calamity, says the Svarno that we're celebrating on Shavuos. Um, that we, that didn't happen, is that Hashem spared our wheat crops, the, all the all the things that could have possibly happened to the wheat crops, throughout the period of Svi'asa Omer, and says the Svarno, we now share our chamez with Hashem, uh, um, with a, with the din, with the bechina, with the classification of a karban toda, to thank Hashem for sparing our, our crops. Okay, very nice, that's the Svarno. The Ramban says something differently. The Ramban says that really, the reason why we, in the first place, don't have chametz? He says we don't eat chametz because chametz has the category, it has the classification, it has the status of din, Hashem's attribute of strict justice. And the Ramban Alpi Remez quotes various um, psukim that reference the shoresh of chametz, or chometz, something that's sour, something that's vinegar. And he explains that the chametz is associated with our justice, because when we give in to the chametz, when we are not doing what we're supposed to be doing, right? when we are losing the battle against the chametz, so what happens? Hashem's attribute of strict justice is against us, and it's not within you know, our worth, our merit, that we, that, that, um, we have anything in this world. And because of that, on Pesach, The day that's Kulo Chesed. Pesach is the day that's entirely engulfed by Hashem's Chesed. And what's the proof? The proof is in all the open miracles that Hashem has done. Because when we think of Din, we think of strict justice. Justice is the way that Hashem created the natural world. The natural world is a world of justice. And on Pesach... With the regular rules of nature, we could not have survived. You know why? Because we didn't have any merit. We didn't have any worth. That's why Hashem had to do so many open miracles, to bend nature backwards, to reverse nature, to go into the supernatural. You think Hashem likes doing that? Hashem doesn't do that because Hashem doesn't like the natural world He created. But we couldn't have survived by natural means. Hashem would much prefer to just do things naturally because that was also Hashem's creation. Nature is another one of Hashem's miracles. The Ramban talks about this and, and um, the Mikhtar Velia who talks about this, that really nature is just the miracle with which we're familiar. It's the rules of justice. It's the rules of, the, of the, just the natural law that Hashem created in the world, and that should be how things are. But on Pesach, we couldn't earn it on our own, which is why we needed so many open miracles. We needed to rely completely on the chesed of Hashem, which had to fight back against the din. That was Pesach. But Sezramban, hidden in Shavuos, Api Kabbalah, is apparently a means for celebration. A celebration that is in line with the Karban Todah. It's interesting that we don't have a karbon Todah on Pesach to thank Hashem for all the wonderful things He had done for us. Because apparently thank you on Pesach is not only not enough, but apparently you're missing something if you're just saying thank you to Hashem. Yes, if obviously you should say thank you. But Pesach, the theme of, of Pesach is not just thank you as much as it is humility and complete awe in all the incredible things Hashem did for us when we didn't deserve it. It's, it's so, somewhere so much further than thank you. And it's not only that, but it, we're not even able to completely thank Hashem because we don't completely understand what Hashem had done for us. And we won't completely understand it until Shavuos, until Hashem has given us the Torah. Till that time that we can look back and say, oh, now I know what Chairus is. And it, it's interesting because Hashem, you know, we, 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 we can thank Hashem for all the good things that Hashem has done for us. My brother, Daniel, has um, a whole connection between the Karban Toda and the progression between Pesach and Shavuos. And there are different kinds of meal offerings that we give in the Karban Toda. My brother explained how they each correspond to the different kinds of miracles that Hashem did for us when we left Mitzrayim. So for example, the four categories of someone who owes Hashem thanks. Right? In the word chayim, we have a reference to all of them. The ches is someone who is chavush, someone who is imprisoned. In Mitzrayim, we were imprisoned. Then we have yud, you have yisurim, the, the, the different, someone who is sick, in Mitzrayim, we were also spared from sickness, spared from the plagues. The ma'achla that Hashem was Sam uh, Mitzrayim, asher Sam Mitzrayim, lo esamalecha, I did not place it upon you. Hashem Hashem is our doctor. Hashem heals us. That's the second, and that's the second yud. Uh, so that's the first yud. The other yud is yam. Hashem saves us from the, from the sea, the seafarers. Hashem saves us from the yamsuf. And of course we have mem, mem is bidbar. Hashem saves us from the midbar, from all the things that we go through in there. But the salvation, the redemption is not complete until we hear the thunder at Kabbalah Torah, the thunder at Har Sinai. Right? It's not complete until that point. Um, and if you heard the thunder, I already made a Shekuchok Vosem before, so don't worry. Um, I wonder if they made that bracha at Har Sinai. But, the salvation and the thanks were not completely in order until we got the Torah. Says the Ramban, What's so special about the carbon Toda? He says um, the, the, the Mechbalim could appreciate this. The carbon Toda is the only carbon that in Lhasa Lavo, in the future, all the other carbonates are going to seize, but the carbon Toda is going to remain. Why? He says the carbon Toda, which infuses both Chameetz and Matzah, infuses both and is a fusion of the Midas Hadin and the Midas Harachmim together. The way the world was originally intended to be, to have both. You have nature, you have natural law, but you also have Hashem's chesed and rachamim mixed within. Why are we able to stand up against the, the you know the, the 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 din? We're able to stand up against nature on Shavuos because even though we have the Sahara, we've prioritized Hashem. We have the Torah, we have the tools, the kelim, the vessels to to hold our own, and not only hold our own, but to completely conquer. And harness the Eight Sahara so that he is a servant of Hashem with us in our service of Hashem. That's why we can do that. And like the Sephardim says, we're celebrating a natural miracle. That, yeah, not that we were in danger and Hashem did a miracle to spare us, but the Karban Toda says, Hashem, you saved us. I don't know if you did any open miracles, but you did save me. And that I could say thank you for. In Egypt, it was open miracles. But throughout Sriyasa Omer, our crops, we still have our crops, we still have our wheat crops. That's just nature. But we thank Hashem for that. That's the Karban Toda. It may seem like it's just the Pashup shot and the Svarna, but really it's, it's the true understanding of what our freedom is when we get to Shavuos. Freedom that Hashem spared us in the natural world. Hashem spares us from the eight Sahara. What are we bringing a Karban Toda for on Shavuos? They're in Ba and Svarna. they're both saying we're bringing a Karban Toda. From whom did Hashem spare us? So you might say that who did Hashem spare us from? Well, maybe this is the true celebration of Hashem sparing us from Egypt. But maybe it wasn't just the Egypt without, but it was the Egypt within. The Yetzias Mitzrayim. That not only we left Mitzrayim, but the Mitzrayim left us. The Chomets left our system and now can be reintroduced because we understand it now. We understand how to fight with it. We understand how to serve Hashem with it. Who, from whom did Hashem spare us on Shavuos? He spared us from the Eight Hara with Kabbalah Satorah, because Barasi Eitzahara, Barasi Torah Tavlin. And now we can understand what Shavuos is really about. We can understand where Kabbalah Satorah is in Shavuos. You have to go through Bikurim, you have to go through the harvest, you have to go through the agriculture, you have to go through the weeks of Shavuos to really understand it. But yeah, Kabbalah Satorah is not just a one-day thing. It's, 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 a, it's a thing for every single day. How is Shavuos celebrating the Eight Sahara? It's celebrating the Eight Sahara, which we can now live with because we have the Torah. And that is what Shavuos is really about. That is what Matan Torah is about. Mind you, Matan Torah is about our ability to live in Hashem's physical world, to live in the world of nature, to live in the world of Din, but to be able to do so successfully because we know how to live with the eighth Sahara. We know how to succeed with the Eight Sahara, the Tovma Ma'od that is the Eight Sahara. We have that now because we have Shavuos, because we have the Torah. And that's what we celebrate on Shavuos. This is Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg wishing you a wonderful Chag Sameach, an incredible Kabbalah HaTorah, Azman Matan Senu, where we prioritize Hashem with the Bikurim, where we learn how to serve Hashem with the Chomets, the Eight Sahara, in our lives and to do so with absolute success. Good Yom Tov, Chag Sameach, and thank you for joining us here at The Database.